We are so glad you decided to join us today for our Compelled podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. We would love for you to message us on social media and connect through our website at compelled316.com. Now let's get started. Bob Morrison is here to get us thinking about what it means to live a compelled life. Hey, what's up, guys? So here we are, another week. I'm parked down by John Pennycamp Coral Reef State Park. It's down in the Keys in Florida. I'm staring out at the ocean, and I'm just thinking, what an awesome moment just to sit and look at the waves and just kind of drink it in, you know? And it started me to thinking about that saying that you see it on t-shirts and on posters that says carpe diem, which is Latin for seize the day. And I used to tell a lot of people that, you know, we need to seize the day, seize the day. That was, was almost like a battle cry. And then I started thinking that we're so busy in our day-to-day life that we're probably, we want the abbreviated version of that. We probably need to be saying to people, seize the moment. For some of us, an hour is the only real break we get in our day. And there have been some phenomenal moments that we've experienced and probably missed. Let me give you an example. High school, you go back for your high school reunion. You run into that girl that you were mad crazy about in high school. And you finally tell her, hey, you know what? I... I really was crazy about you in high school and I wanted to ask you out, but I could never get the courage. And she says, if you had asked me, I would have went. Man, a missed moment. You know, it makes you wonder where your life would be had you acted on that moment in time. And some of the other moments that we experience good and bad, particularly when we make choices. And I was thinking about some of those people in the Bible who make those choices uh, at that moment. And they seem to be very human in nature. You know, it's uh, it's times like uh, where somebody that we read about, one of the characters, as I call them, the, the key players in the Bible, Uh, They have this moment where they can stand up for what they believe. And instead they run and hide, like Peter. You know, he he tells Jesus, hey, nothing's going to separate us. I'm going to be with you. I'm I'm your ride or die. I want to stay right beside you no matter what. But we all know that that's not true. When the time came for uh, Jesus to be arrested... Everybody scattered, including Peter. In fact, Peter went so far as to tell people, hey, I don't even know this guy named Jesus. Even though he told Jesus, hey, I I won't desert you, he did. It's the human side. And I think it's one of those moments, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know if we get to sit around in, in heaven and talk to any of these people, but man, the conversations would be intense and so enlightening to say, Peter, what was going through your mind? You know, I know that you love Jesus. You spent three years learning everything about him. You witnessed all these miracles and you had this chance to really acknowledge it when people say, hey, aren't you that guy that runs around with Jesus? Aren't you his buddy? And you could have said, yeah, yeah, I am actually. 
How would that have changed history? I don't know. I don't know where that would have sent Peter, but it's one of those moments where things changed. Another one that I was thinking of was when Jesus is doing his first miracle that I see recorded in the Bible. He's at the wedding. Uh, they basically run out of wine. And there's this moment where his mom says, hey, uh, we need this to happen. We need to come up with some more wine for this wedding party. And uh, looking around the room, you're the only person here capable of pulling off a miracle. And it's a turning point because once Jesus does this, he puts into motion who he is and what he's capable of. And everybody's going to be talking about it. You're not going to hide that kind of miracle. You know, it talks about that he has them bring this giant stone or clay pot that's massive and fills it with water. And then Jesus turns it into wine right there in front of everybody. And so from that moment forward, he will always be known as Jesus, miracle worker, the man who's capable of performing miracles. If he can make wine, he can heal me. He can raise me from the dead. He can help me to see. He can take care of the lame, uh, anything, you know. And it, it puts a phenomenal amount of pressure on him on a day-to-day -day basis from that point forward because everybody wants a piece of those miracles. So for him, it was a turning point moment, even for Jesus. Another moment I was thinking about, David walks out on the battlefield, sees his brothers. Hey, dad wants me to check on you guys. I brought some cheese and crackers, see what's going on. And there's this moment when he can listen to what God has instilled in him to say, uh, hey, I need you to take care of the giant. Or David can go, ah, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's really my moment or if I'm just imagining it. David could have just as easily said, well, okay, guys, uh, good luck. And then goes home and tells his dad, hey, yeah, they're, they're still out there in the battlefield. There's a big giant that they're, uh, they're getting ready to face him and all of his troops. But because David says, I'm going to step out on faith and I'm going to face this seemingly... Um, massive obstacle that most people would say, I don't even want to face this giant, but because I'm going to step out on faith and just see where God takes this. And he, and he tells the giant, I'm, you know what, I'm going to own you. This, when this is over, your body's going to be laying here. And oh, by the way, this battle's not mine. The battle is the Lord's. It's in first Samuel, I think it's 1747. But the point is over and over in the Bible, you see these moments and I wonder if we could recognize our moments for when we are sitting there uh, in our office at a desk and someone says, hey, I need your advice. That's a moment. And the first thing that comes to my mind is when someone says, man, I'm struggling with this. And I, can I just tell you what my struggle is? And you look at them and you go, okay, well, hey, um, in my mind, I'm telling myself, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, okay, let me just pray for you. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but let's just pray that God will give us some wisdom about the direction of how to handle this moment, this obstacle that's in your way. And sometimes I think we forget to do that. 
I think we, we believe that we have to face those moments alone, but we don't. The moment when you walk into a doctor's office and maybe you've been given a diagnosis that's pretty crappy, you know, and it's that moment when you walk in and the doctor says, yeah, we did the biopsy and it came back, it's not good. And there's two ways to take that. At that moment, we can say, okay, um, it looks really bad and we can go home and throw the blankets over our head. Or we can say, okay, God, how will you do something amazing with this? Regardless of the outcome, how will it bring you glory, God? And those are the things I really am amazed by. There are people who just are naturals at that. They can have the most incredible obstacle in front of them and they find a way to do something amazing with it that brings God glory. The other type of moments I think that we have are with loved ones. You know, we take it for granted. We think we're going to have them forever. I don't think any of us who lose somebody really know it's going to happen at the moment that it does. My example of that is my dear friend, David. And I think David, you know, being 20 years old, I thought David would live forever. He would um, have just a massive amount of life adventures and stories full of laughter and just crazy adventures, you know? And the last time I saw him, I, I gave him a hug, kissed him on the cheek, told him I loved him. That was my moment. And then when I get the phone call that, hey, David's gone, David took his own life. It crushed me. Would I have done that moment differently had I known? Had I known that was the last time, I probably would have held on to him a little longer I probably would have said a few more things to him. And we have those, you know, my dad, uh, my dad was uh, one of the hardest working guys I know, 43 years old. We have our own uh, drive up root beer stand, like a, a little restaurant called the Dog and Suds. They're, they're known around Indiana. I don't know about anywhere else, maybe some in Illinois. So my dad owns this Dog and Suds and every year around October, he would winterize the restaurant and we would close for the winter. And my dad, uh, basically I'm telling him, hey, um, I'm gonna ride with mom. We're gonna go three miles away to the bank, run this errand and we'll be right back. Dad says, okay. And I come back and my dad's dead on the floor. Massive heart attack, 43 years old, gone. Had I known, I wouldn't have just got in the car and drove away. And all those times when my dad was home and working on something, either in the garage or out in the yard, and I just got on my bike and rode away, I would have done that differently. I would have learned that those moments matter. I would have learned to say, hey, Dad, thank you. Thank you for working so hard so that I'm able to have cool jeans or thanks for paying for me to go to band camp or dad, thanks for making sure the refrigerator has food in it or teaching me to drive or teaching me to fish or hunt. 
things that I probably took for granted and I didn't recognize the moments for what they were. And so now we have these moments in our life where we see our heroes taken away from us. And I talked about this in one of my video recordings uh, back in 1982. And I'm down at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for qualification weekend. Gordon Smiley is this cool driver that I, I kind of followed. And when they qualify for the Indy 500, there's two full weekends of cars just going out doing four laps fast as they can. And the fastest car gets on the pole and then they go all the way back to the 33rd position. So Gordon Smiley is in the pits with his guys all standing around. And typically if you have your family there, you would give your family a hug, kiss the wife, the kids, all that. And you know, you're just, you're in that game mode. You've got your game face on, you got your fire suit on, put the helmet on, get in the car, strap in, and you go out and you turn these four laps and hopefully they're fast enough to put you into the greatest spectacle in racing. It's the largest single day sporting event in the world. So it's massive. The coverage is massive. So on that day, Gordon Smiley gets in the car, goes out, takes his first warm-up lap, goes by on his second warm-up lap, but he doesn't come back around. We're sitting in the grandstands looking at the start-finish line going, that's weird. Uh, where's Gordon Smiley? Nobody says a thing. We just, the track goes silent. No cars go out. The announcer says nothing. And then what seems like forever, the announcer finally comes and says, um, it's with great sadness we announced the death of Gordon Smiley. He had uh, basically lost control of his car. When he corrected for the loss of control, he drove head on into the wall and was killed instantly. Just over Easter weekend, this past Easter weekend, uh, there's a, tr- a race car driver named Justin Owens. He's a sprint car driver. Been racing 10 years. Awesome dude. He's on my Facebook. He was trying to qualify for a sprint car race over in Lawrenceburg, Indiana at Lawrenceburg Speedway. And it just so happened that Justin was the track champion there, meaning he had won enough races and gathered enough points to be declared the champion of that track. So everyone knew he was going to be fast. And on his opening lap of qualifications, he lost control. Car flips over several times, hits the wall. And at midnight that night, they announce that Justin Owens has not survived his injuries, that this awesome 27-year-old driver is gone. And it was in that moment, you know, I I wonder uh, how he looked at his day. I wonder how everyone looked at him and how they interacted with him. I found out later that um, something crazy like 80 people benefited from him being an organ donor. And I love that he had that kind of heart to say, you know what, if it helps someone else live, then use whatever parts you want. But he's too young to die. So we take it for granted when we're there, you know, if we're working on his team and the pits, we think we're gonna work with him for 10 or 15 years. We don't know that this is our last moment or we would do things differently. We would say things differently. 
And I think that that's the problem we're having with our day-to-day life. We approach every day like we have thousands of days left. But we don't know. We don't know if this is our last hour, our last day, our last week, our last month. We just don't know. And the only way to do something different with that is to embrace each moment as special and sacred. You know, make the most of every moment to seize those moments. I think that if we could learn to listen to when God is putting it on our heart, we would have a lot more of those awesome, special moments in our lives. There are many times when I walk by, I see a guy sitting on the sidewalk who's obviously homeless, and I tell myself, someone else will take care of him, someone else will feed him, someone else will, you know, do whatever, give him a word of encouragement. But the reality is, I was right there at that moment. And there's a very profound piece in the Bible where Jesus says, um, hey, yeah, that, that homeless dude that, that you took care of, or that guy in jail that you visited, or the one that was sick in the hospital and you visited, when you did all those things, you were doing that to me. Whenever you do that for the least of these, the bottom of the barrel, the people who are struggling the most, if we could just take that moment and reach out to them and just for a blip of our time, for that single moment, we can maybe change their life and we're better for it. I know it sounds crazy, but every time I've gone on a mission trip or I've went to help someone and I always told myself, Okay, I'm geared up, I'm amped up for this, I'm going to go in and I'm going to bless them by how I help them. And I always come away, instead I come away feeling blessed. They did something amazing to my heart, they taught me something. And I think that's the trick. You know, I I hope that we can do that. If we can just start this week, you got about three days left in the week, and maybe just try to listen to God's quiet voice, that urging inside your heart that says, oh, here's that moment. I can take this moment right here and do something that will either bring God glory or bring someone comfort, bring someone some peace, then we should do it. Every time that we avoid that and we don't embrace that moment, I think we miss some great opportunities. So I guess that's my prayer for you and me, is that we would learn to listen for those moments and not only listen for them, but learn to act on them, to seize the moment. Hey, this is Bob Morrison. I'll see you somewhere out there. We are truly thankful you chose to spend some time with us here at Compelled. If you enjoyed today's message, we encourage you to like it, share it on social media, and check out our website, compelled316.com. God bless you, and we hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you somewhere out there.